Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show and welcome to all the listeners and new listeners uh, from all over the world and it's great that you can join this show and this is all about empowerment and getting love right and really moving away from unhealthy relationships with other people into healthy relationships which is all about establishing a healthy relationship with yourself first. So with this show today, the chat room is uh, back up and going, so my apologies for the last few weeks where it's been a struggle to get it going, but it's definitely there. So for people that want to come into the chat room, you're more than welcome to do that, and you can post uh, comments and chat between yourself and also ask any questions that you would like to ask that can be answered in the process of this show. So this show today, Nancy and I were going to be doing it and she's actually uh, been delayed with some family stuff at the moment. So she either may get to the show or she may not and that's fine and this seems to be a little bit of a trend in the shows in the last two weeks um, that I've actually been doing them. And yes, hang on, I think we do have her here. So I'm just going to pack that up, pick that up. Nancy, you're here. I'm here. <laughs> Sorry about Hello. that. Hello. Hello, darling. Great to have you on. Just during the introduction, and then we'll we'll get started. So no worries. Yeah, I'm not so sure what I've missed because yeah. That's all right. That's all right. You know what happens with these shows, Nancy? We don't prepare. They just flow. I know. They just happen. We've got busy lives, busy schedules. It's all going on. I was running around it, outside, and I was just I just thought I'll go and have some lunch, and I thought I'd better have a look at the time. And I looked at it; it was like five to one, and I went, "Oh my gosh, where did that go?" <laughs> I know, I know. And as I said, you know, mm. you've just been called away, like with some stuff with family this morning, and yeah, you got back in time. But no, it's all good. It's all good. You're here, and we're going to get going. So in this show, what we're going to be doing is we're discussing the times when the narcissist admits that there's something wrong with them. This show is all about can narcissists have humility. This is an enormous topic. And for anybody that goes through narcissistic abuse, you know it's a really, really big topic. Those times when the narcissist says they're sorry. Those times when it looks like there's humility and that there looks like there's hope. So I think this show is really, really important to dissect a lot of that and have a look at that and see what we can do about that, what is real, what isn't real. And as you know, with a narcissist, that's an incredible minefield anyway. What is real? What's not real? I'm going mad. I don't, you know, I'm just trying to survive. So this is a very, very, very important show. So within this show, we're going to be having a look at the times when the narcissist admits that there's something wrong with them. And when they talk about, even to the point when they actually say that, you know, I know I'm damaged, I know I need help, I really want to heal. And a lot of narcissists will say that at times. So during this show, we're going to examine these times when they occur, what they mean, and how you can start to get some clarity and some strong boundaries to work out whether or not there is hope that the narcissist is going to change. How do we know whether this show of humility is real or not? How do we know if this will actually hold and if circumstances will improve? Okay, and as I said, the chat room is open, so I'm going to be checking in on that. So you can come in there and post some comments and ask some questions. And also, too, if anybody wanted to ring through, you can call uh, US, it's 213-325-3434 for anybody outside of the US you need to put in your country's exit code and then a 1 in front of the 
Oh, hang on, I'm giving you my number. I nearly did that last week. Take two, don't ring my number because you won't be able to get through. The number is 347-989-1262 and that's US and if you're outside the US you need to dial your exit code and then put a one in front of that number and your calls are welcome. If you would like to ring in, otherwise you can put up your question in the chat room. So I think this is a really big topic, Nancy, because this is so much of the twists and the turns and the things that can go on in a narcissistic relationship. Now, was that your experience? Did you have times when he was sorry? Yes, uh, most definitely did. And um, all those times occurred when he'd done something that had just pushed all my boundaries out and I said, I'd, I'd turn around and say, that bit, no more of this, I'm not doing it anymore. He'd actually yes. be or say he was sorry and then promised to change. And he'd actually go and do something. There'd be moments like he'd go and see a counsellor or he'd go and see somebody and then he said he did some work. But all of this was separate from me and I actually watched him try to change on three separate occasions over a period of a couple of years because obviously the last time didn't work so he had to go and do something again. But it was all absolutely smoke and mirrors. It was all, you know, it's like it was like you exist in a place where you go, oh my gosh, he's doing something. He wants to change, but it was always very short lived. He changed in a sense of how he approached things, but it, all the manipulation and everything was still there. So mm. he'd mm. always be living on on this on this bit of hope that it was real, and mm. it always inevitably inevitably turned out that it wasn't. So, mm. yeah, very, very confusing times. I think that made it worse than just the basic um, abuse of narcissism because all of a sudden you're living in this place where you think that you're going to get through to them. And sometimes you actually believe you have, but it's always yeah. for a very, very yeah. limited time. That's so true. That's so true. Smoke and mirrors. And it doesn't hold. You know, if you're really with an NPD... It doesn't hold. I, I remember I must have gone through two dozen at least of those sort of situations. And mm. very much when they would happen, that's a very, very consistent thing. It's uh, really interesting when I'm working with clients with narcissistic abuse that I can nine times out of ten or maybe 99 times out of 100 even predict exactly what's going to happen because it does yes. run to a set formula. So what really happens is when you do get to that point where you say, enough, I am not doing this, when people either get to just the point where they've had enough and they're really angry and they want to break away, or even when they're empowered enough to say, you know what, okay, this hurts, but it just isn't working, this isn't my truth, you don't have the resources. Even when they do it in a calmer way and say enough, that will very, 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 nine, 99 times out of 100, that will activate the narcissist into, I'm going to lose supply. And we have to be really, really clear about this. And it's not personal, because we talk about this all the time in this show, about how on a human level, it's very, very devastating to think that you've loved somebody, you've given them the, your heart. And of course, on a human level, we want to believe that it's genuine love that's coming back at us or it's underneath there somewhere, or it's something. But when we really understand the mind and the neurobrain wiring of a narcissist, we can come to accept it's not personal. It doesn't mean you're unlovable. It just is that the narcissist isn't capable of genuine love on a human level the way we know it. So the narcissist's main driver, in fact, his sole driver is narcissistic supply. And intimate partners are a really great source of narcissistic supply because... Initially, what you were doing was giving him a ton of accolades and attention. There can be security, there can be sex, there can be you know, money, there can be all sorts of things. You cleaning up his messes, all of those sorts of things. And also, too, for the narcissist, supply is about offloading his damaged self onto somebody that's going to put up with it so that he can get rid of his tormented self, put it on you and make it your fault. That you know, it makes it able for them to feel better. It's like kicking the cat. It's like um, dumping, you know, which will give them temporary relief. So intimate partners are very, very necessary for that. 
So the narcissist does not want to lose you in that capacity. So it's a huge narcissistic injury when a major source of supply that he's hooked on, that he needs you for, says, I'm going to go. So what a narcissist will do is use whatever method he may need to do to retain, or he or she, as you know, I've had, I had a few criticisms about the show, and that's fair, that, you know, women are narcissists too, and, you know, we have some of these posts on the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery page, and please remember, I'm talking about female and male narcissists. It's just, I guess, it's easier as a woman for me to say he, but you can change that for she if you wish. So the narcissist, what he's going to do is say, I need to hold on to this supply. I'm going to do whatever it takes to reestablish this supply. So that is when the narcissist will do the big backflip and the narcissist will say things like, I'm really sorry, I know I'm damaged. I had this at least two dozen times and virtually in every single time that happened, it was when I was going or gone. That's when that would happen. Now, you know, with normal people, and when I say normal people, not everybody is perfect and not everybody's empowered, but a healthy individual has got to have some sort of framework of emotional intelligence to be a good partner to be with. And a person with emotional intelligence, they may even be stubborn. You know, we can all be stubborn but they have got a level of accountability and they have got a level of accountability that is actually going to hold. Now we all know that when you're getting the sorries and stuff from the narcissist, you know when they're crying and they're on the ground, you know I remember one scene in the kitchen where I used to live with my ex-narcissist, you know he was in the corner of the cupboard crying his eyes out. I know I'm damaged, I know I push everybody away I love, I'm so sorry, I will do anything to save this relationship I love you I can't live without you you know and he was sobbing like a three-year-old now me being um, an empath which is actually going to be our next show I love your idea about that topic we're going to get into that in the next (laughs) show Nance next month but as an empath without boundaries at that stage my heart went out to him it was like you're my child you're a baby Oh my God. And I was, you know, down on the ground cuddling him. He was rocking in my arms. He was sobbing. And I remember at that particular one, and there was many others, but that one was a real standout. I just went, oh my God, I love you. I want to help you. I'm going to do anything to heal you. You know, I was like a mother with a child. And so many of us feel like this when we're with narcissists and vice versa. Men feel like this with female narcissists too. They feel like a father figure, like a protector at these times. And, you know, I had this incredible sense of relief. It was like, oh my God, finally, finally his ego's broken. Finally, 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 finally. You know, now that particular bout, and he was very, very, very high level, That humility lasted for all of about two hours. And then the telltale signs started again. And how you really know with that is is that when, because obviously you're quite shattered, you're quite broken, and even in the initial throes of those sorts of I'm sorry's, you have this enormous sense of, oh my God, we're finally there. But then as the air clears, that part of you that's really known, that walking on broken glass and feeling precarious starts activating again. So, of course, what you do is you start testing those lines and you say, look, are you really sure about this? You know, um, are you going to go see somebody? Are you going to... And what you really start to get and see with that is sort of like answers that don't feel really solid and true they feel scary and because you've been so confused and distorted over the period of time you don't know whether you're just imagining it or whether it's you know it is unsafe or scary you know you you don't know what's up or what's down but the truth of the matter is is if you're with somebody who's emotionally intelligent and they take responsibility they actually it feels solid. It feels solid. They will give you answers and they will also have enough empathy and understanding 
to really say to you, you know, look, whatever it takes for you to feel safe, I'm willing to walk that line because, you know, I've got to, I've got to earn your trust back. Now, you know, I have been in a relationship with an emotionally intelligent person that absolutely put that on the table. And I also do work with, you know, men that have been insecure and abusive and stepped out of line. And, you know, when they've owned their stuff, these guys have bent over backwards to win trust. Um, and they've taken full responsibility. You know, so the narcissistic fine line, when you start trying it out, when you feel that uneasiness, and as women, what we do is we communicate. And, you know, men can do this too. But we communicate. We want to communicate and verbally receive reassurance. And then when we go for that reassurance, I remember what I used to get was very much, I've told you I'm sorry, what more do you want? You know, it'd be that sort of stuff. Or the same as you, Nancy, you know, there'd be counselling sessions, but they'd last one or two or three or four sessions at the most. How long did your guy last in therapy? Uh, I think he went three times. Yeah, and when when I finally, that was actually with me early in the piece, but that was all, I was the one with all the issues at this point. He didn't have any. Um, I I totally got sold up the road then. Uh, When he actually uh, did, I did just like, that was it. I wouldn't speak to him or talk to him or anything. Um, And we weren't together. He, I think he went for about, once a month for about six months. Yeah. And then he was all, he was he, he was actually a complete enlightened being by this stage. You know, he just like surpassed us all spiritually and it was all, and, and I mean, one of the big cards, and I've noticed you've actually brought it up a fair bit recently in, in your work, and one of his big cards was, you you, you can't forgive me, you, you, you know, and this, you must forgive me because otherwise you don't understand yeah. any of this stuff. And, of course, yeah. with, with me, I mean, I got to the stage where I started to understand that though we speak the same words, we don't speak the same language. And so forgiveness yeah. to him simply meant you must submit to me and you must never mention it again. And so when I came to understand, you're not asking for forgiveness, you're asking for a submission, I actually turned around to him and I said, yes, you're right, I can't forgive you. And it, where, yes. what I what I believe about what forgiveness is is something completely different to how he interprets it. So I sort of thought, sort of thought that's fine. Rather than me trying to explain it to you, I'll just say no, I can't, and goodbye. <laughs> that is so. a fantastic point, Nancy. I love the way you've looked at that and defined that. That is so true. You know, because mm. I, I, that is such a common thing, and you're right, that was one of the newsletters and an email from a lady had sparked that conversation off, and that was about, you know, my partner is saying to me, you must forgive me, you must forgive me, and you, you're so right. It's not about, you know, we. it's not about forgiving. It's about what does serve me, what doesn't serve me, and when we're actually forgiving somebody repeatedly for unforgivable behaviour, and I did that, you yes, know, yes, you just completely lose and strip yourself. And then, you know, I remember saying to him, how many dozens of times do I have to forgive you for you to just do it again? You know, exactly, so really, exactly. yeah, so really it wasn't him letting me down, it was me letting me down. And that's exactly one one of the points I made to him. I said, my problem with you is I always forgave you. I said, that is my problem. And because because I forgave you, you decided that that was something that you were able to get away with. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's exactly right. But isn't that a classic thing that narcissists do? You know, you can't forgive me. Like, And this is part of the twisting, turning and projecting and making it your fault. And they have... So many techniques in the tool bag to do that. And in the time, mm. yeah, when I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, and, and, and the, part of the demand and the entitlement is, and it is an entitlement, now that I've said I'm sorry, you've got to flick the switch and forgive me and get over it. That's it. Mm. Which isn't, you know, a normal human operational thing to do because we're not an electrical device 
that you can just switch well, off. Well, even at that pace when, yeah, even when that pace, when we got to that stage where, you know, he was going through the, you know, he was raging at me actually that your problem is you can't forgive me. And uh, yeah. and anyway, because I, I was actually getting to quite a good place at this stage and I said, there's one question I want to ask you and he said, what's that? And I said, when are you going to forgive me? He said, for what? Yeah. I said, for not being perfect enough for you. Yes. And he, he had no answer, nothing, nowhere to go with it because it, it never con- he, he does not consider what he does. Yeah, well, that's so. right. And, and you know, and the thing is too, you know, part of that, you know, supply and dumping and offloading is, well, I want to line you up and I want to tell you you're no good and I want to criticise you and, you know, all my inner self-criticism, I've got to project it out and make it about you, you know, so mm. I actually don't want to forgive you. They just want to keep lining you up, you know, because that's an narcissistic model. But, yeah, yeah, and it is about really understanding the normal human brain that has got the neuropathways of empathy and compassion and the brain that doesn't. And really I think what this show is about is defining the differences so that you can get to understand what is the difference because nobody's perfect. We're not expecting people to be perfect. But what we do want is some sort of a level of emotional intelligence that you can work with because if you don't have that well, then you are swimming uphill with bricks flying in your face. It's just so self-defeating and it really, really doesn't work. I actually had an interesting situation where I had a client come forward just recently who is a client that has um, uh, admitted to you know, narcissistic tendencies and what was being, and I kept a very, very open mind. You know, I do, do take uh, clients on this basis very semi-regularly. It's not often that it happens. But this person came forward uh, for some healing and I really could identify within the first session that this person is an NPD, that they're actually, you know, in a lot of pain and they've had a lot of insecurities and they've had a very, very traumatic history which has transpired into their adult relationships, but they are not a narcissist. They're acting out narcissistic stuff, which all codependents can do when we're insecure and unhealthy within. But what is the defining difference with this person? This person wanted to heal, has taken full responsibility, and is actually in their second lot of healings now and making incredible progress because... There is this this incredible level of accountability, humility, which is, you know what, I've had enough of living like this and I really want to change my life. Now, Now, I've got to put a really fine line in there with people. I really have to because I don't want people listening to this who are really with a true NPD saying, oh my God, that could be my partner. And, you know, I think there's some very, very important things to understand in this person that came forward does not have a history of pathological lying, does not have a history of um, blatant, malicious, mining, um, uh, defaming of people, discrediting partners behind their backs, you know, that really, really nasty NPD stuff that does go on, you know, the financial abuse, all those sorts of things, did not have a history of that. Really was acting out the insecurity, demanding tantrums, um, definitely some aspects of jealousy, for sure, but a high level of integrity and a high level of integrity in their life. So really this is an insecure person that doesn't feel safe in relationships. So now there's a very, very, very big difference. So if you are with a patho, any adult that is pathologically lying is a lost cause. Absolutely a lost cause. Don't even think that you are going to be able to get accountability or get this person to change. Let them go. You know, if you've suffered financial abuse and malicious lineups, and we're talking about the stuff that you know normal people, even normal insecure people, just could not go to those lengths of deception and malicious damage. You know, that's just not on. That's, that's an NPD. Yeah. So when, 
you know, when this girl, this, you know, this person, you know, with her partner was very much about, and what was good was the partner laid boundaries and the partner said, you know, unless you get in therapy and you get some work done and I'm going to get work done on myself too, which was great um, responsibility, unless you do that, then I'm not going forward. I'm not doing any more of this relationship and it needs to be consistent and we need to have some space and we need to have some time out and we both need to do this, but I'm not doing a relationship unless you do some work on yourself. And meant it and meant it. So, you know, Nancy, you know, our staff, where we did the one or two or three, you know, they'd go and do some, you know, some counselling sessions. It's not <laughs> enough. It's no. not consistent. It's not consistent. It has to you know, be. Relationship I, 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 yeah, sorry, go. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, and it's, it's very, I mean, it's very common. It's in all the literature about narcissists. They'll jump into therapy or something. They'll, they'll have their two or three times. If they don't discredit the therapist, they'll, um, they're just miraculously renewed. And what I even found with mine, he'd come back and he'd learn the jargon of whatever was going on, you know, and the, and the bits and pieces, pulled out the little bits that suited yeah. him. And, yeah. Um, yeah, the rest of it was, well, you've got all the issues. So, and that's it. And that's where they dump it. And because they, they're so rigid in their thinking, they'll, they'll, just, they'll just run those lines and that's it. They can't look outside of it, can't consider anything else. It's just, no, this is the way I am, this is the way it is, and da 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 So it all falls over again. That's so, right. And that's where you've really got to trust yourself. You've really got to listen to your body because I know when I had all of those situations too, that's exactly what would happen, exactly what would happen. And I'd go back to feeling uneasy or, oh, my God, it is all my fault or, you know, all of those sorts of things that you cave into that, but inwardly you felt terrible. You didn't feel safe. It didn't feel real. And we just went along um, doing the same cycles over and over and over and over again. Mm. No. Where and, that, that, and that was, you know, exactly where you say, you know, you stop listening to yourself. But I actually got to a point where he'd, he'd come back to see me and he'd be all this, he'd be almost ethereal, you know, this, 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 this little this smile on his face and he was all, you know, airy fairy. And I'd be looking at him and going, oh, I wonder if this is real. And, um, even though I'd be listening to him and I'd be wanting to believe him, I actually noticed that inside myself my pain was increasing. Like it, it actually yeah. physically hurt more. And I thought, I'm not, I, I want to believe him, but I don't. And, and that's yeah. when I started to actually more listen to what I was feeling rather than what I was hearing. And yeah. um, it made a big difference great. because it was actually right. Yeah, great, great. You know, we've had a really good question that's come in by email and it's only been in the last few days. It's amazing how sometimes timing just falls into place with all of this stuff. And this is definitely one of my regular followers and a lady I'm in contact with. Now, I'm actually going to keep her confidential today because this was sort of quite an intricate situation and it involves family members. But it's actually, and she'll be listening today, and it's a really, really good example of what to believe. And I really like this example. So anyway, I'm going to put it out to everybody and then I'm going to answer this. So what her question is, is it possible for people to change? And and what she's talking about is her father because what's happened here is that her mother has discovered that her father has been having an affair and a trusted person found this out and was witness to it and so the mother had it point blank as information and she was totally, totally devastated about it. And then the mother gave the father an ultimatum about it. And then what happened is he promised that he wouldn't do it again and he's promised to change and, you know, he said all the right things. And now what's happened is they've really gone back to normal. So, you know, the mother and father are spending time together, they've gone away together, um, and she's back into the process of um, being in the relationship, really. So her question is, is it possible to change, or would my father sort of find something else to fill that lack or that gap that he feels, which has obviously led to, and what I can assume is this isn't actually the first time, 
Okay, he grew up, as most of his siblings, with an MPD father and a severely codependent mother. Okay, all right. So I told my mum that if my father, whether or not my father changes, the most important thing she can do is take care of herself. And, and she's actually said, no, everything's okay now. You know, he's understood it. We're now speaking. Everything's back on track. And they've taken some days off work and spent some time together, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, so what this is about, you know, really is now, and she's also said in this email that her, fa her mother puts her father as a priority, you know, ahead of herself, and that's a thing that she often does. And so, you know, it's really hard for this lady who sent the email because she's sort of sitting back and watching her mum and dad playing at this dynamic and, and wondering, well, is it possible that, you know, dad has stopped this? that this is now not going to happen anymore. Now, the thing is, and I think this is a really, really, really good example, that, you know, after something serious like infidelity is, is a great example or just other things that are just not okay in a relationship that really a sorry and I won't do it again is not enough. That's not a healthy boundary. You know, and for... Uh, this lady who sent the email in and she'll be listening in, you know, obviously it, it's very hard. You can't change other people. You can't change your mum. You can't. You know, that, that's up to her to do. And what happens with all of us is we get enough pain to get us on to doing that work on ourselves. And whether or not we do is our choice. But with this, that's not a healthy boundary. That's really not a healthy boundary. So... You know, when you're looking at the pattern of adultery, really the general consensus is there that there's something inside you that is allowing this and attracting this because we're coming back to law of attraction and the truth that, you know, we're all creators on an inner level. We're not victims just playing a random game in life. We've got a vibration. We've got belief systems. We've got our stuff going on. Now, the mum came from... Um, you know, probably an environment too where she had a very codependent uh, mum. You know, often what happens is when we've got adultery in our life, we may have had a mother that went through that. Uh, it's usually a pattern. It's usually something that's just kept happening over and over in, in the pattern of, of our history. You know, so the mum has really got to do some powerful boundaries with this. It's not like a pat on the head and, you know, I forgive you and we're back to normal because... You know, that's not creating a boundary. That's really not creating a boundary. So when you've had inappropriate behaviour, it's got to be a boundary and it's got to be a boundary that you, that you mean. Now, certain people have different levels of deal breakers, you know, even when they're hooked into narcissists. As we know, you give away your boundaries and that line gets less and less and less and your boundaries get really, really disintegrated. But you still may have deal breakers or maybe you had a deal breaker before the narcissist and then that crumbled as well, you know. But you've got to go and, and really get to a stage where you go, well, what, is my, what are my deal breakers and what am I willing to, you know, and there may be people that may give another chance after adultery. They may do that. But what that may mean is that we go to joint therapy, you know, we work on that. We separate for a while and we go to joint therapy. Because really, it's not about, you know, it's like if the kid is like really, really bad and then they cry and then you like appease them and hug them, really, you're not giving very good programming messages with that. What you're saying is, well, you can be really, really naughty and out of sorts and then, you know, you say you're sorry and I give you a hug and a cuddle and really what's that saying is I'm going to enable this behaviour. You can, you can do this behaviour. You can continue this behaviour. And really that's what's going on with the mother there. Because he, he's sorry, I'm going to change. And then they're back to normal. You know, and maybe he's taken her out to dinner and he said he loves her and whatever. And the, where are the boundaries? Where's and, the... And, okay, you know, yeah, just, you just brought up a few few really interesting points with what you're saying there. And um, one of them was obviously, you know, earlier on when we were talking about obviously when, when they're doing the big sorry thing and, and we actually feel like the mother with the child 
in, in a sense, you know, like oh, the poor thing and all our maternal instincts kick in and we can help them and can save them. Now, one of the very interesting things about all this is, and mine comes sprouting back to me, that it was all about unconditional love. Now, in a sense, that's exactly what a narcissist is looking for, is unconditional love. He's actually looking for the love, a four-year-old would look for the love from a mother, that whatever he does, he will be forgiven for it, because the mother is only there to serve his needs. So when it actually comes down to it, and all this forgiveness, all of this sorries, everything else is coming from the mindset of a four-year-old. And, that's ex and he is actually expecting you to be that mother to a four-year-old. And that's actually the way I see it. That's so true. I think you've hit the nail right on the head. You know, and when you understand that unconditional love starts with self. Unconditional yes. love, the highest aspect of unconditional love, is I love and honour myself and I honour my vibration and I walk my truth and I allow everybody to be who they need to be. And then I choose what is or isn't loving for me in relation to what that person is. And therefore, I can do genuine love because I'm going to choose a match for my vibration, my truth, which gives me the opportunity to have beautiful, evolved love. You know, rather than fearful love, um, withholding love, attacking love. And as we know, when you're in love with a narcissist, you're not very loving. You can't be. You get dragged That's into right. the fray and you start doing a version of love that is incredibly unhealthy for everybody. And, and, and also, too, at, for people outside of you, your kids, your family, your friends, you become a very distorted human being. That's not true love. So, you know, it's really important to get a very good framework on what unconditional love truly is because you are so right. You know, Nancy, as mums, yeah, we do love our kids unconditionally, but if we're effective parents, we also are very good at boundaries with our kids, which says, I love you, but this doesn't mean that this behaviour is appropriate and you're going to get your own way and I'm going to enable you to keep going with it. I'm going to step back and allow you to be accountable so that you can develop as an individual with emotional maturity. That's the greatest love that we can give to other people is to empower them, to love themselves and take responsibility, you know. So women, yeah, the first version of unconditional love, we can so fall into that trap. You know, if I just love it enough, if I love enough, exactly. it'll fix everything. That's yeah, right. and you're so right. That's what the narcissist expects. That's part of the entitlement, that you will give and give and give and give to me regardless of what I do to you. you know. so, so that model that we were looking at, and this is how you can tell whether or not you're with a narcissist or you're not. You know, because nobody is going to be perfect. Okay? And there may be some times, even in a healthy relationship, where something goes down that you're not happy with or that you feel very uncomfortable with or may even be a potential deal breaker for you. And that's your time to walk your truth and stand up with it and to actually say, you know, for us to go forward, this is what is necessary, which is exactly what occurred with the client that came forward to me with narcissistic tendencies, was the partner had said, that's it, that's the line, that's my line, that's my boundary. Now you can either choose to step up or you step out. So when we can do that, and when we do that, then we can get to see if there is, and this client's doing beautiful humility and working hard, not just in sessions with me, also on herself out of sessions. It's really beautiful to see the growth. No? But she wants it. She wants it with all her heart. She wants to be a good partner and a good person. A narcissist does not want to be a good partner and a good person because if they are, the game is up. The game is up about getting narcissistic supply and staying one step and one edge ahead of humankind, which is what a narcissist does with their omniponents. Now, and with their ego. And a narcissist cannot do teamwork. They're not interested in teamwork. 
They're interested in being unaccountable. They're interested in being flying under, over, or around the radar and not being open, connected, and in teamwork. To them, that spells emotional annihilation because they can't keep one step ahead. So if you are with an NPD and they break a boundary with you, you know, and, and you've got to be really strong about this because if the narcissist doesn't know you mean it, that you mean it, they're going to manipulate it, twist and turn it, make it all your fault, turn it back on you, and if you're not empowered enough, you're going to buy it or you're going to be so threatened with the thing about abandonment, being on your own, having to start again, all of those nasty triggers that women can play out that you may morph into a different shape, drop your position of a boundary and start taking the blame. And then he's got you even worse. But the problem is with the narcissist that if he is MPD or she, and if you're still playing the game of trying to sort it out, either way you go, you're gone. Because if you do admit fault and you take fault and it gets all twisted and turned it around and you're just like, okay, well, I'm going to roll over and go along with this because then I'm just going to keep the peace and it'll get better, it won't because the narcissist is insatiable and he's just going to keep disintegrating and, and dumping and that's when, you know, the real assaults and the attacks and the... While he's standing back getting malicious pleasure on putting you down and degrading you, that's just going to accelerate. And if you do hold the boundary of the accountability line and, you know, you're not going to budge and the narcissist has to bend over and play the I'm sorry, I'll do anything trick, which won't last for long, but then in the back of the narcissist's mind is how dare you force me to be humble, I'm going to punish you for it. I'm going to get you Absolutely. back to that. <laughs> yep. So you can't and, win. Because if, if, if you try... And that's the moral of the story. Yeah. And if you try... The moral of the story is when you're playing, trying to get a healthy relationship with a deranged individual, you're going to get very, very damaged. You know, you're playing with an alien. You're not playing with a human being. And he's got more tricks than his arsenal that you could even imagine. You know, the and people they, out there. Yeah, and it's, interesting. You know. it's interesting that the longer that you don't budge, how they start coming back with all the tried and true methods that always worked before. And when when they don't start, keep working, you know, you, you get put on guilt trips. It's all of a sudden, you know, you're the one that's um, doing all the projection and you're the one that's doing this and that. And I always got accused of talking in circles, but... Um, with him, I mean, you couldn't approach anything directly because you got blown out of the chair. So you'd sort of go around it and come to it, you know, to to a point. But even when you actually got to the stage where you just wanted a straight answer out of why was this or why was that, it was never, you never got it. So in actual fact, he was doing all the talking in circles and then got to a stage, well, well, I'm not going to talk about this going round and round and round. And it was sort of like, well, no, of course you're not because you won't answer it. So, you know, you just you just in this, it, it really doesn't matter. what If you try to approach it from a place of humility where I understand that I kind of do this wrong, so that you think yeah. you're opening the door to let them admit to doing something wrong, all, you, all you're doing is just loading their arsenal a bit more because they're going to come back with all of that at you and twist it into That's something. That's right, and three weeks different. down the track, well, remember how you admitted it was you? Yeah, Not me at all, exactly. it was you. Yeah. 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 Damned if so, you do, damned if you don't. That's you know, right. And that's no, why you've got, to, yeah, you've got to simplify it. You've got to be able to get clarity in the madness and be able to mm. simplify it and do whatever you need to do to be able to you know, hold your position and get some clarity because you know, life with a narcissist is madness and it's, it's ripping your soul apart. So somehow you've got to get some clarity in this. And it's really, really important that you can start to understand, you know, boundaries and your bottom lines and and what I can do. And am I fair? And we've all got to get out of, you know, when we're doing that stuff, we've got to get out of instant gratification. That's a big problem with the codependence. You know, if he tells me he's sorry now, if he, you know, if he cries or she cries, 
you know, and gives me a big cuddle and looks me in the eyes and says, I love you and I'd never do that again. Gosh, I don't know how many times that happened. You know, that instant gratification part of you can go, well, you know, I really want a happy, loving relationship with this person. I want to get a pizza and watch dinner tonight and I want to feel loved. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you feel so relieved, and the relief, and I mean the relief, you mistake for feeling love. Oh, you just relieved. Oh my gosh, it's going to be all right, you know, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah it is for and a then day. I can get my fix of feeling loved and safe tonight. You know, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. this moment. It can start happening, I'm going to feel happy again. You know, and that's really codependency and instant gratification. And when you're doing boundaries, you've got to take the long view. You've got to take the bigger picture. What's the end game? And am I prepared to hang out for the end game and really walk that line? So what that could mean is, look, okay, well, I've heard you, sorry. Okay, you need to go. And I still need, with this, I've I've heard your apology. That's great but I need to see the action, I need to see the real proof, and that would mean this. And let's just see how it goes. You know, so that person goes home, you don't do the pizza and the cuddle that night, and you stick it out. And you go, okay, because ultimately I don't want a relationship of a cuddle and a pizza tonight, and then two days later we're back to square one. I want Mm. the real deal, I want something solid here. You need to prove this to me. And more than that, I need to trust myself. I need to just stop giving in and over if you say sorry. But, you know, another really horrible dynamic that I know a lot of people play out with narcissists, and I did as well, was that, you know, I'd hold that line of that boundary, then he'd get, then he would actually say, well, you know, I'm sorry, you're right. I'd push a little bit harder and then he'd twist the whole thing around, make me wrong, and he'd say, well, you had my apology, well, stiff now, bad luck. You had me, now you've just wrecked it, now you've pushed me away, now that's the end, and he'd do the discard. So then what I'd yep. try to do is go back to pick up the apology and I was hooked, hooked into the manic madness I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know you apologised, I should have accepted that, I know I pushed too hard, I know it's my stuff. And you see the spiral I'm talking about? Around, mm. But you know what? In every pattern that I've seen, if I had it, and it did happen sometimes, where you know he'd do the token apology and I'd stand my ground... And then, you know, he'd try and project and turn and twist and I'd go, no way, and I'd hand my ground and then he'd come back and offer more. You know, it was like this this boardroom table deal. Who can get the deal? You know, so then he'd put up the deal for supply on the table, which he'd up the ante the more I'd back it off and step off. But what happened is every time I came in and accepted that deal, then the deal would disappear, you know, within a period of time. Because at that stage, I didn't understand, well, I sort of conceptually did, but I didn't really know it, and I certainly didn't walk it, about delayed gratification, about really holding the space and going, I need consistent uh, improvement, I need consistent effort, I need to see the real results. And also, too, I mean, this is how you know a narcissist, because you're not going to get them. Narcissists shoot themselves in the foot very, very, very quickly. You know, for all their cleverness, they do. For all their cleverness, for all their intelligence, for all their manipulation, their one weak flaw, they've got plenty of weak flaws, but this one is a real standout. They will fall off their perch of accountability and decency incredibly quickly. They can't hold it up. So if you're in your power... You get to see that and you go, oh, okay, no way. And then you've got to get past that part. This is another of the million episodes you go through internally. Wasn't I worth it? You didn't try enough. You didn't make an effort. You didn't love me enough. Wasn't I worth your effort? So we've got to get all out of all of that stuff too because it's not about you not being worth it. He doesn't, he, she does not have the resources. They just don't exist. It's not personal. So all of that plays out. All of it plays out. But continually forgiving or even not forgiving and staying hooked in trying to survive 
where you're getting the sorries and you're getting the projections, you're getting the twists and the turns, you're getting all, it's all abuse. It's all abuse. Where you continue to stay in those cycles of abuse, you end up completely disintegrated. There's no two ways about it. And healthy people just don't operate like that. Nancy, you hit on it before. You know, with the we've said it before too. The conversations where you can't even have a simple, direct conversation. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just so insane making that you just can't. I, I, I actually got to a stage because I was actually coming back into my power and I actually got to a stage where I just sit there and go, just answer the question. Oh, what do you think I do? What do you think it is? You know, it was all a way of, oh, what happens when you feel like doing this? Oh, well, I don't actually, but why can't you answer the question? It was just, I was just trying to pin him down. He eventually erupted and wouldn't speak to me, but <laughs> it was just like, yeah, just answer a question. It, was, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. Rule of thumb, if you are having conversations with somebody who is acting like a four-year-old and you think you're being twisted and turned into a pulp, you are with somebody with NPD because emotionally intelligent people just do not do conversations like that. And if you're having those sorts of incidences and then you know a lot of people go, well, you know, maybe it's me. Maybe if I was different, maybe if I had better communication skills, maybe this, maybe that, maybe the other. You know, no. Even if your communication skills... Even if your communication skills aren't great, you know, even if you don't, you know, you're not perfect in your emotional intelligence, I'll tell you what happens. If you're with a normal, healthy person, and that's a broad range, it's not a perfect person, somebody who has got the resources, and a lot of people do, if, you know, you really are codependent or you're too clingy or needy or if there's stuff with you, this person is not going to hang around and batter you and put you down and manipulate and all that sort of stuff. You know what they're going to say? You're not in your power enough for me. I'm going to leave. This isn't my deal. I'm not going to do yep. this. Or they're going to actually talk to you and say, you know what, you know, I love you, but you know this thing that you do, it's just, you know, we really need to do something about it because it, it really does make me uncomfortable. You know? They're going to do that sort of stuff, but they're certainly not going to maim, they're not going to name call, they're not going to use information as ammunition against you, which is a huge narcissistic calling card. You know, because when somebody's doing that, they are a narc. There's no two ways about it. You know, people just don't do that. Well, they can, but if they do, they're narcissists. So yeah, that's all what, of those that's things... What mine, was, mine was always... Sorry, yeah. That's what yeah, mine no, was always having don't. a go at me in the end was, oh, you won't share with me. You won't share things about yourself with me. And I used to look at him and think, hmm, I wonder why. Because <laughs> it, all, it all comes back. It all comes back, twisted, turns in a heat-seeking missile and blows you off the planet. So That's yeah. right. I love some of your expressions. That is so good. I actually had an American client not long ago and she had me in a story and she said, you know, narcissists come along and they sweep you off your feet into a tornado and then they dump you flat on your ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. It's, it's, it is. It's really, really true. Yeah, so, you know, boundaries, the saying I'm sorry stuff. So really, I think the, the steps to this are, okay, if you're with a narcissist, and you start getting empowered, you're going to get the I'm sorry's, you're going to get the, you know, you may even get the times where the narcissist says, I know I'm a narcissist, I know I need help with this. You might yes. even get that. Now, you know, in our normal human framework, we'd look at that and go, booyah, fantastic, there's hope, this mm-hmm. is going to be the first narcissist on the planet that heals and takes responsibility. Hey, and I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I went through all of that too, though. We all, we but, all, I think that's one of the beliefs. We all actually have a belief that we have something that will allow us to eventually get through. And while we, while yes. we hang on to that, we're going to remain hooked in. But, yeah. Yes, I, think, I, think. I agree. I agree. Mm. I agree. So, you know, like you've got to trust your own feelings. That's good. But you're right. That feeling, that desire, I guess, that, that want... 
can be so powerful and can so drive us. And then you've really got to get back to practicality. You've really got to go, okay, so what does an accountable person look like? What does an accountable person act like? And what do they do? And, I, and can I be accountable and secure enough in myself to do delayed gratification on this? To say, no, we're not going to sit down and cuddle and have the pizza and watch the movie tonight just because you've said you're sorry. In fact, I'm going to pull space here, you know, and I want to see some real results. And then you're going to have to, you know, in your whole... Uh, now, you know, and, and a decent person with emotional maturity who loves you and you only want somebody who loves you, Otherwise, why be with them? You know, who genuinely loves you, they're going to come around quickly. You give them the space to look at it, and it might be 24, 48 hours, or maybe a little bit longer if they're a bit stubborn, and then they're going to turn up and they're going to go, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do humble pie. What needs to happen here for us to go forward? Because I'm really prepared to do it. Okay, now that's a far, far cry from the narcissist who thought he was entitled to the cuddle and the pizza and the movie with you and to be forgiven immediately. You know, if you send him out the door, you could get a barrage of texts. You could get everything ranging from, you know, oh, everything turning it, twisting it back on you. You've got no capacity to forgive. What sort of person are you? You're just like your mother pulling in allies. I talked to somebody at work and they said this and that and God knows what it's going to be. And, you know, they're going to go into projecting and blame and attack and, you know, hope that that's going to pull you down off your position or if you hold the position, then they're going to come back and they may do a very credible thing about, all right, well, I'm going to do something about this, but then you've got to not sit on the couch, have the cuddle and watch a movie that night. You've got to go for the real results. Okay, this is how it needs to be. This is what needs to happen. And you need to see that the narcissist is going to hold the line, take the time, do the work, and win back trust. Now, no NPD does that. It's just impossible. And you know what? They would rather eat manure in a sandwich than do that. Every time because that's emotional annihilation for them. That means that they are completely controlled by you. That's how they see it. And they're not going to do that. They don't even have the resources to do that. So very, very soon you're going to see the twists and turns, the projections, the 10 lots of text messages, one which they love you so much they can't live without you, the next where they hate your guts. <laughs> and you know, that's, yeah. yeah, you remember that yeah. stuff? Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, they are. The, the, and you know, even even the, when you um, when you're actually no contact or minimal contact, you'll get a you'll get a text out of the absolute blue, like a or, or something like, oh, did you do this or did you see this or did this happen? And you're sort of looking at it and going, I haven't spoken to you for three months. So immediately, <laughs> yeah, the random. You know, immediately, you said, so it's sort of like someone you spoke to yesterday, and you go and you sort of look at it, and then you think, but immediately something inside you goes, oh, I wonder if he's okay, and then you think, oh, it's a hook. He's trying to hook you, mm. and you and you can respond to it three hours later because you haven't responded. Oh, so you're not talking, or have you found a new man, <laughs> or something like yeah. that? It'd be something really, really to have a go at you, and it's another hook to to try and get exactly. you to respond. So, you know, you, and it, and you they just can be crazy. Does that even make sense to get your head spinning? What does he mean? Yeah, exactly. What's, what's, it's, what's it's like, yeah, where does that come from? What does that mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, you're ignored. And then you think. And then there's, yeah, it's all quiet again. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, I hope this helps. You know, this is one of the most powerful, oh, difficult aspects. And there's so many difficult aspects of the narcissist relationship but I think this one is really really important so I hope that it has really uh, helped people and as always it's about you can't change the narcissist but you can change the way you are in it and ultimately the end game for you is to have a healthy relationship in your life and a healthy relationship with yourself and if that means you've got to go alone and do the work to, you know, create that and really understand what boundaries are before you get into your next relationship and how to do them in a really empowered way. It's so worth it because it may be months or years when you can have the rest of your life sorted 
rather than wasting away the years on the old patterns and becoming more and more damaged. So thank you, Nan, for joining me again. Yep, I finally got, I got in on time just, so <laughs> no, it went well today, I think. You did well, you did well, and thanks, and as always, you know, your contributions are fabulous. So that's it for now. Goodbye, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Yep, goodbye, everybody. See you next month.